Welcome back to Consuming the Craft Podcast. My name's Puff, and with me today is Lauren Turpin? Yes. Ha ha! I got it right. <laughs> um, and you are the co-owner, owner, brains behind Plebe Urban Winery in Asheville, North Carolina. And I am. Bef- and before I press record, we were talking about your education, because I'm always curious about to see how people have arrived at their destination. Sometimes the flight get canceled, <laughs> as you very well know, as as of recently flying. So you started at Babson College, and I was like, where's Babson College? I've never heard of this college. Yes, it's a business school. No, I believe it. Yeah. I, I believe that it's real. <laughs> it's I real. Just, it's accredited. <laughs> they've got buildings and everything. They got them all. They got them yeah. all. Um, they got them all. <laughs> <laughs> they have all the buildings. So I was born in North Carolina. Okay. And my dad worked for... RJR Nabisco and that corporate corporate entity. And so we moved back and forth from New Jersey a couple of times, uh, living in North Jersey. And North Jersey is different. Yes. That's a different place. Well, I mean, I'm not from New Jersey, so. You don't have an accent or no. And people from New Jersey, I don't, I'm not trying to offend anybody. (laughs) You already did. You already said did by saying, are you not trying to offend anybody? (laughs) No, I just, you know, I haven't been there since I graduated high school, so I don't. So you, you you were born here, graduated from, from high school in New Jersey Jersey. in Randolph. And my dad's boss at the time recommended I look into Babson. Really? Um, Okay. So he was probably, so he was familiar with it. And, I was very interested in business um, because that seems like a, kind of the easy way out when you're 18. <laughs> no, 100%. You're like, I don't know what to do. How about business administration? Yeah. Um, but Babson is really unique because it focuses on the entrepreneurial aspect. So okay. the first year you go, at least first year when I went, um, I believe it's somewhat similar. You you start a business with your group, your class, and you learn sort of all the aspects of what it takes to start and run a business. Hmm. And so you have the same curriculum for the first two years, and then you can kind of diverge. Specify, or like specialize, excuse me. Yeah, You can, but basically we all got the same degree at the the end of the day. Sure. Um, So they've branched out from what I understand now. They started an engineering school right when I was leaving. And I don't know much more than that. I apologize to all my alumni. That's fine. That's fine. Um, Because I'm sure that there's listening, people listening saying Babson. That's that's a real place. What's the mascot? I'll put you on. That is even more fun. We're the beavers. Oh, that is pretty (laughs) cool. And I remember that we would go to the soccer games and the person, uh, the young man at the time who was our mascot was a very entertaining um, with his, you know, vocabulary. Oh, on, I imagine so. On the sidelines, I and I'm pretty so. sure the parents sat on the other side the entire uh, time. Probably for a uh-huh. very good reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. You graduated. And what did you do then? Well, can I back up a second? A hundred percent. So my junior year, I spent entirely abroad at the London School of Economics. Wow. Also the Beavers. <laughs> really? <laughs> Which is why it's relevant. <laughs> Wait, London School of Economics mascot is the, the beaver? Beavers, yes. I didn't even know they had Beavers over there. <laughs> I don't know if they do or not, but that's what they were. That's, and I have a scarf with it. That's with so it. funny. Uh-huh. So once a beaver, always a beaver. Absolutely. <laughs> so like you, you have to go get, well, you got to go get a PhD at Oregon State, 100%. Okay, sure. Because they are good. also the Beavers, I believe. I think so. <laughs> You gotta keep it in like that trifecta. Oh God, of... yes. So yes. So <laughs> I spent my entire junior year abroad and came back and finished my senior year. And 
then I just started working in investment. In corporate America. <laughs> corporate America. Here I come. Yeah. And so you did that. Where did your love of like beverage and wine and all of that kind of play into what you were doing at that point? Well, being in college, I would say I did not have a love of of this, this specialized craft, but more of what was cheap and available. Well, yeah, sensory analysis yes. in, in college so is always way after, different than it is now. Yes, but I always had this fascination, and I don't know where it came from, and my dad would say the same thing. For some reason in high school, I was like, I want to open up a, a sports bar or a, a beer place or whatever. It was always kind of this like beverage-focused yeah. focused thing. And no idea where it came from. <laughs> Literally no idea. I don't know if it was something on TV or just something, something weird yeah. that was happening. But I just, for some reason, always had this idea that somehow down the road I would have something. That's so funny. <laughs> and then I ended up in corporate America. Yeah. Um, and I lived in Milwaukee for yep. a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, that was my first full-time job out of, out of college. And, of course, I was going to all the brewery tours and enjoying all the livelihood of Milwaukee. Yes. And I love Milwaukee. No, I love um, Milwaukee I just too. got back from there. And, uh, you, yeah, you and your husband just got yeah. back. Yeah. Um, and so then I moved to Charlotte where my family really all is or was at the time. And I've always had a love for North Carolina. So that was just always where I kind of wanted to be. Set up shop there. Yeah. And so when I got to Charlotte, it was kind of around the time when Pop the Cap and those types of things were happening. And so it was like, oh my God, there's all these amazing beers now that are available and you get to explore and particularly in Bel- you know, Belgian beers, mm-hmm. um, which I just really love, um, a great triple Belgian. That's like my, my favorite. That's your beer. go-to. That's my beer thing. I wished I had um, known that we would have had one today. That's okay. <laughs> probably wouldn't, I'd probably be on the floor if we had it because <laughs> I drank the whole thing. You don't have to have a lot of it. Nah, it's kind of one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have just one. Um, <laughs> but it, it was really sort of that, you know, understanding more about what it takes to make a beverage mm-hmm. and, and and I'll even go back to college at some point um, you know doing internships and things like that everything was co- sort of more service based and I just kept thinking I want to make something I want to I want to have want a product. I want a product yeah, I want something yeah. I can like that's tangible that I, yep. can, I can put my hands on and so when the beer thing was happening um you know, there were some family things going on. I got married and, um, I, I had a master's. Got, <laughs> yeah, got, that too. That you too. got your master's from where? Though? Uh, Chapel Hill. Okay. Um, in information science. Okay. Um, so really more data oriented and, and focused. So you sure. think about instead of library science and information science, we're the same part of the same school. And so I'm really, a, you know, Excel nerd at heart. I mean, give me a great Excel spreadsheet and I'll, That's, and I'll just, be up all night. You swooned? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. When they're designed correctly. They're <laughs> yes, so exciting. They're so amazing. I mean, a pivot table. Whew. Just don't get me started. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. What? Oh my God. I can show you later. <laughs> okay. No, okay. Um, <laughs> so, I'm learning so much. Yes. Um, so between that and then you know, enjoy starting to get more into wine at the time. And then, um, Oh, not, highfalutin not, master's I know, degree. Yeah, I know. Wine. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then, you know, spirits to some degree, but that's not really, I never really went down the path sure. super, super much into that other yeah. than like, Ooh, I like a good cocktail every now and then. Yeah. Um, and then it just sort of formed into writing a business plan for an urban winery. 
so it go it ties back into the service industry it ties back into your product and so you wrote a business plan <laughs> yes. for an urban winery yes had you seen one had you because yes okay so, so you were inspired by a, a place or, or had somewhere where he had been well i was really inspired by what was happening with breweries yeah um you know the community aspect of you can have a microbrewery that services your neighborhood kind of on the corner and it's a gathering place and it's fun and there's things to do and there's yeah. good beer and you know hopefully some food and yeah. <laughs> in there if you need it um some options there but it and then we were actually out in um denver and went to infinite monkey theorem and which is a fantastic name for anything it's really a, fantastic i love all of their marketing and branding and everything else and they're using local grapes uh, as much as they can. Yeah. I mean, that's a really tough, um, that's a tough, tough place area to for them. Yeah, they, and they admit it. I mean, yeah. that's, that's kind of the whole point is transparency. But we were in there and they had wine on tap. They just had this really great loungey kind of atmosphere, but not pretentious. And they were showing a movie and people were just kind of coming in and out. And it was like a Tuesday. And I was like, why don't, why isn't this happening in North Carolina? Because even though you know, knowing beer a little bit more, I'm, I'm a native North Carolinian. I used to eat grapes out of my grandmother's backyard. Sure. She had, you know, five acres. I mean, so that was kind of what everybody did in North Carolina, yeah. it felt like anyway. And so knowing and a little bit, learning a little bit more about the history of wine in North Carolina, you know, kind of came back and, and wrote the business plan and, and tried to really dig into more about why aren't there more wineries, vineyards, why isn't this atmosphere happening? And if we could do it, where would it even where would take it, hold? Where would you show, yeah, where would you set up shop? And Asheville seemed like the best place to do it in North Carolina because Asheville is so open and experimental. And when you come and visit Asheville, you're kind of, as a tourist, I think you're kind of blown away by all the unique things that are happening. It's food and beverage. It, it, it's all over yeah. this town. It's well, amazing. And, and art and product. Yeah. And, I mean, I and think product, that was the other thing you mentioned, pro like uh, the glass blowers and the potters and the artists. Yeah. It, there's a huge, like, uh, for lack of a better term, bohemian community mm -hmm. in, in that artistic kind of sense. There's, there's arts walk and there's all these other things. So it, yeah, it does. It fits perfect here as you very well know now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we like to think so. <laughs> no, I, I, you guys are making absolutely phenomenal wine and you have uh, your business partner. Who's your winemaker. How did you guys meet? Uh, very randomly, which is actually kind of why it works. Uh, so I'd written the business plan and had kind of gotten discouraged about, can I really pull this off? And how am I going to find the right winemaker? Because I didn't want someone who was 60 to you know, 60 years old and had always worked in, you know, really stuffy places and just wanted to go yeah. after the same old thing and didn't kind of have the same vision Stat for status quo basically right yeah. and, and wanting to do something different in the industry sure and i sent a basically a job description to the head of the appalachian state um i think it was the analogy analogy program the fermentation science program yeah. yeah and and i just said do you have a surf list and i can just blast out Hey, I'm looking for a winemaker. Yeah. And he knew Chris um, personally because Chris was already working in the area and using students and using the facilities and was good friends with him. 
And I guess at a Christmas party, he was like, hey, this person reached out to me. She's written a business plan for Asheville. And parent Chris had also written a business plan <laughs> for an urban winery in Asheville. No. And in the River Arts District, which is where we ended up. Yeah. Because we looked at other places. And so he wasn't going to reach out. He was like, because he'd been burned by oh, uh, someone it's before. A tough. It's it's tough to find that right partner. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, and so he was like, no, I'm not going to reach out. I'm not going to reach out. And he finally did. And we ended up meeting and having lunch. And he brought some wine and went home and tasted it. And it was just, we got along great. We had the same sort of vision. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's very risky to sign a partnership paper with someone that you've just met, but I think we signed it within three months. Wow. I think you just, we when you just, know, you know, you, we knew. And it's just like knew, your husband, right? We knew you something. Knew. Yeah, we knew. A hundred percent. So we just kind of knew something was there and whether, yep. you know, it's the best thing ever or if it <laughs> falls flat, either way, you there's something try. you got to try. A hundred percent. And you guys so. have been successful. You have another location now. Uh, you've expanded in that regard. You're making some really unique, phenomenal products. And that's why I'm not giving you wine today. We're going to do <laughs> booze clues now. Oh, gosh. So I'm getting you out of your comfort zone. Not that you don't drink beer, because I've seen you drink beer. Yeah, I do drink beer. Uh, hey, you know the saying, it takes a lot of great beer to, to make, make great wine. wine. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a seasonal harvest, and you got to drink something while you're waiting for those grapes. And we're getting ready to start. <laughs> yeah. No, you guys are. And I'm glad yeah. that you could come in just before the harvest started, because I know that that is a 16-hour day, no matter what. You, you can't look at it any other way. Yeah. I mean that. I mean, that work is... Yes. When the grapes are ready to go, you pick them, you have to press them, you have yes. to get the juice ready to rock and roll. I'm very excited. This year we got to invest in a bin dumper. Oh, so nice. So we don't have to hand bucket anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> if people could see no, I, I, it, the, the manual labor... When we talk about minimal intervention, it yeah. does not mean hands off. No, not, not by any means. It is twice as it's No, it's triple. twice as much labor. Yeah. Maybe three times. And then, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I poured you this beer uh, to get you ready for harvest. Okay. Because a beer can be very hydrating, and I don't want <laughs> you to get dehydrated during harvest. Thank you. Um, but I think this is one of the pillars of the brewing community. Community? 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 <laughs> uh, I think it doesn't get enough, it talked about enough, to be honest with you, because it's just been something that has been around for years. Take a sip. I know you've had it before. It's not anything out of the ordinary. It's not crazy. It's just phenomenal beer. Yeah. And it's so good and so consistent no matter where you have it. I think that's really interesting, too, about when in sort of the the beer community, like I remember when microbreweries were opening every week, there was a handful of new releases and you would go just to get all those new releases. Yeah. I think now I've come back to, I know what my favorites are what, you <laughs> and, have your, and I stick yeah. with that. So I'm curious to see how that translates. It, it's okay. In, so in wine, so the, for, the for wine people. drinker is going to be doing the same thing. I, from what I've seen as people get, they discover wine. Usually it's just like beer. It's really, uh, not necessarily super complex and more on the inexpensive side and tends to be sweet. So when people get introduced to wine or beer, like the American style light lager, you stole beer out of your parents' fridge, you drank that. And then as people learn about wine, they start learning about, excuse me, this beer, great varietals. But by the way, the beer is Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Fantastic. I mean, it's 
it's a go-to beer. I'm sorry. It's just a beer that you can, if you take a six pack, a 12 pack, a 24 pack, a keg of that anywhere, uh, you're going to make friends. It doesn't yes. matter where you are. So wine, I, I see the same way. They start with like some cloyingly sweet stuff, uh, which I can appreciate the style. It's not my favorite type of wine, but if you're, you know, you're hitting that dessert style, there can be some complexity that can be brought into those things. And then they go through, you know, grape varietals. And then they, you know, they work from like usually white to crazy red, super dry, bone dry reds. Just strip super, everything. Yeah, just tannin and, you know, your cheeks hurt yes. from how, like, and that's like the, the evolution of the wine drinker. And then they usually try to find like rare, it depends on how much money they have as well. True. Uh, they could get into fortified wines and champagne. I mean, the, the wine in, the wine is so crazy because there's so many crazy things there but you can also see the experienced drinker like like yourself a mature drinker my parents would be so proud yeah that can come around and like you can appreciate uh not it's not your style of wine and it's not something that you would order even like but if someone hands you a sweet white and you understand the complexity and 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 it's there can be other things there, right? Right. Behind the sugar. And so there's a way to appreciate when someone hands you that style of wine and when it's done well. And I see that kind of, it it happens with beer. (laughs) It happens with uh, spirits. It happens with everything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, even in, uh, we'll say bourbon, you know, you, you buy cheap bourbon and you start understanding the flavors. And then at some point you are looking for more rare bottles. And then some, the, the term proof whore is something that is out in the bourbon community <laughs> where people are just looking for the strongest, like most cast strength bourbon. Hmm. And then they'll go back and they'll be able to kind of appreciate the classics. And it's one of those things where you see as the drinker evolves, they can kind of go back around and kind of understand flavor and, and understand what there's a balance. There has to be a balance in some of this stuff. And, and I don't think there are some extreme things out there for those people that are in that experimental phase with whatever they're drinking. Uh, and it's important to have that so they can kind of come back around and appreciate uh, a Pinot Noir for what it is or a pale ale that's well-balanced and, and you know, just classic. Because when you start pairing that with food or pairing that with, you know, a lot of people have these sensory recognitions with either food or where they were. Right. And so making that connection uh, to that memory, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, uh, you know, that your palate does that. And that's a lot of wine. I mean, wine is really a lot of what you're pairing it with and and sort of that overall experience. And um, I think there's... a couple of things happening right now right with you know we talk about what we're growing and what the wines that we're making are generally things that most people have never heard of unless they have you know done a little bit of homework or have been more curious than the the sort of like grocery (laughs) store you know wine wine buyer which there's nothing wrong with that it's just that is a great marketing tool from the wine industry to make sure that Chardonnay and Cab Sauv and Pinot Noir. And they sell. They sell. Um, there's a lot of those grapes planted. <laughs> there's a lot. And, um, and they need to sell those grapes. <laughs> that's true. That is very true. <laughs> they do. Uh, well, some of them not having some great years right now. But yep. there's a lot of that marketing aspect and that comfortableness. Um, Recognition. And so, yeah, heck yeah. So I get a lot of people who come in and say, well, 
and so that's kind of when we've been talking about this for probably four years or five years since we, we started opening, which is who's the person who's going to come in? Is it going to be the person that says, I am here to explore what you have to offer or I saw wine. So I am here. Tell me what I can drink that is similar to X. And what do you see? What, like, is it a 50, 50 split? Is yeah, it, is it, it is. Well, I see I how, think, that surprises me. I well, would think that more people are, are coming in and go, what, are, what do you have that tastes like this? I would say in when we first opened, it was more people would walk up and say, I'll have a Pinot Noir. I was like, that's great. That's not on the menu. <laughs> I'm going to need you to look at the menu first. But I get where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I think the urban setting is kind of confusing for some people because yeah, sure. they were like, wait, you're a winery. Oh, no, you're a wine well, bar. Well, and the other thing, too, is a lot of people never saw draft wine. Yes. And you guys were serving, what, which was absolutely brilliant. The system you guys have in place for serving individual kegs of wine at, at, at the right temperature. Just absolutely phenomenal idea. And then that, I think, oogied some people out, for yes. lack of a better term. Like, why is that? And we're filling growlers. Yeah. And yeah, like wine to go. That it, was yeah. kind of confusing. It was a, well, it, I think it's a foreign concept for a lot of people. Even if you've been to a craft brewery, and you've eaten at restaurants all over the country. It, there's not a lot of places, uh, you know, five, six years ago that would have really wine on draft. Right. I think it's a little bit more commonplace now, but it's still the quality of wine that you guys are putting out on draft is crazy, which, which actually leads me to my next question. Your model was based on draft wine. Yes. And then there was a pandemic. Yes. And they gave you the huge middle finger by saying, you, you, can't, <laughs> you can't open. And like, do that. <laughs> to, they did. Uh, and I understand why, and you guys understood why, but you guys were able to pivot. Uh, and I've seen your wine in bottles and in cans now. We did cans before. For, before the pandemic. Yes. So you guys were ahead of that we curve only a had, bit. We only had like one or two, and then we branched into about Which is a super cool four. package, by the way, oh, for wine. You. I think, I think it's, so. The, the, the can, the art was great. But like the wine inside of the pack, fantastic. So we have four, and then we kind of run with four cans. But the bottles, we... Because we talked when you guys opened, and you were like, we're never doing bottles. I don't want to do... You, you didn't said you didn't want, want to do bottles. I said I didn't want to do them. And I didn't... Well, and I didn't want to do them in a massive proportion to our sales in general. Right. And we still don't. It's still meant for... We do it for distribution. We do it for wine club. Mm -hmm. We do it for online, you know, online sales. direct, direct sure. to consumer sales. I try still. Yes, I'm glad you love the artwork because it's all local artists. It's you know we moved into that kind of area, but I still, if you are local, I still want you to come have a glass of wine and if you enjoy it, fill a growler because of it's the sustainability effort. 100%. And the cost, apparently, I mean, with now, with supply chain, I mean, our bottles were 30% more expensive. They were six months delayed. And that's not going away. And it's not going just the away. bottle. And well, it's not going away anytime soon No, either. it's not the bottle. It's not just the bottle. It's the corks. Because, mm -hmm. no, the shipping increased by who knows what. Yes. The labels and the printing and the, now there's a paper shortage. I don't want to ruin every, I don't want to ruin <laughs> yeah. your day. Yeah. No, no. But, but it's one of those things where it's, you're, you're damned if you do and damned if you didn't. So right. I, I'm, I'm happy to see it in a bottle. Cause like I said, the artwork's beautiful. And of course the wine's fantastic. Uh, well, and for us it was, let's move into some out of state distribution and it's time to, you know, let it fly. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And you guys have innovated in, in, with, 
the grapes you use, you've, you've uh, contracted out a bunch of uh, local farmers as well. So, you know, limiting that CO2 footprint, just making sure that you're trying to get as much local local produce as possible. Yes. Uh, and the innovative flavors that Chris is coming up with is just fantastic. Yes. He's a really, really talented winemaker. So uh, you watching, uh, you guys, it was a great match. It really was. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see where you guys are going. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> do you, yeah, you're like, yeah, let's do yeah, all of it. Let's do all of it. Uh, what is, if people want to find Plebe Urban Winery or even the Aventine, yes. how do they find you guys? Google. <laughs> like everything else. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's the best answer I got. Everyone else is like shilling. Like they're like, oh, you have to go to blah, 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 dot com. Or like, and you're I just mean, like, Google it. You Plebe, can, P-L-E-B, just <laughs> Google, Google that. It. Yeah. Yeah. com. It has both access information for yeah. both, both places. Yeah. Uh, great website, too. There's a lot of cool art on the website as well. Thank so you. if you're like art, go to the website and check it out. Uh, if you guys are ever in Asheville, go down, get a glass of wine, take a couple of growlers home because drinking at home is safer than drinking a bunch and then trying to drive. Yep. Everything in moderation, kids. <laughs> Uh, thanks for showing up. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Just uh, before, uh, you know, just after lunch here, but apparently right before I got out of bed. So <laughs> well, you said you didn't want it too early. I know. But <laughs> we always joked about you not waking up before 10. Well, I get up before then. I'm just not human before then. <laughs> That's fair. hundred percent fair. Uh, and thanks to Danny McConnell from McConnell Farms for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks, Lauren. Plebroom Winery, everything you guys are doing, not only for the wine community, uh, but for the local community as well, because you guys are doing great things in the community as well. So uh, thanks for stopping by, and we'll talk again soon. Cheers. Thank you.